SeatGeek is the easiest way to find the best deals on tickets to pretty much any live event. Concerts, sports, theater, comedy, whatever you want. Download the SeatGeek app today and enter promo code SEATS to save $20 on your first purchase. Ha <laughs> ha! Hey everybody, it's Therese Paler, Chiefs B-Rider with the Kansas City Star, and I'm back in it once again for another episode of your Chiefs NFL podcast. It has been a long overdue process here, but I'm back, and I'm going to make it up to you for this overdue uh, podcast with a really, really good one. I've been putting in work for you guys while I've been gone. You guys know us at the NFL's annual meeting a few weeks ago in Orlando, and not only was I writing and reporting there, but you guys know the Chiefs have signed or acquired six pretty high-profile players over the last several months. Sammy Watkins, Chad Henney, Anthony Hitchens, Kendall Fuller, Damian Williams, and David Amerson. Certainly not in that order. But I figured you guys would want to know a little bit more about each of these guys, more than what I could just tell you, because all I can do is look at the tape, right? And what I, got, what I always tell you guys, if you want to know what's going on with the team, you talk to the beat writer at the biggest paper or one of the biggest papers in that player's city. And guess what? That's what I did for you at the NFL's annual meeting. Um, every city basically was represented there, and I sought out somebody I trust to get me to break down on these guys. So I think I got a great episode for you guys today. Um, we're going to talk to Vic Tafer of the Athletic in the Bay Area. Vic's one of the best in the business, you ask me, who gave us a lowdown on David Amerson. Talk to Omar Kelly from the South Florida Sun Sentinel. Omar's outstanding. Omar has a scouting eye. You know, he can evaluate talent. His man crush team was an inspiration from our All Juice team. I grew up reading Omar, and Omar's not that much older than me, but Omar's the dude that, like, you guys should follow because he knows what he's talking about. Has some really good things to say about Damian Williams. Like, I hear great things about that guy's warrior mentality. Um... Talk to Mike Jones of USA Today, formerly of the Washington Post, about Kendall Fuller. You know, Mike made that jump from beat writer to NFL columnist, senior writer um, with USA Today recently. That's a hard jump to make. If you make it, you know, people think of you in a certain regard, and Mike's one of the best in the business. It was uh, really good to talk to him about Fuller. And you guys are definitely going to hear about what Mike had to say about how Washington players are feeling about that Kendall Fuller trade. So, Hang on, we're going to get to that. Um, then an old head, Clarence Hill Jr., nicknamed Chill from the Fort Worth Star Telegram, gave us a lowdown on Anthony Hitchens. Um, loves Hitchens. Has some really good things to say about what kind of football player and man we're getting. I think you're going to want to hear that. A guy who, by the sounds of it, can really carry uh, Derek Johnson's mantle as a good player and a good man in the middle of the Chiefs defense. So hold on to that. Um, then we got Ryan O'Halloran. Um, and, and Ryan is outstanding, too. Um, you know, Ryan's a guy who uh, is motiv- who takes a lot of his inspiration from Bob McGinn, the great Milwaukee Journal Sentinel columnist that I also kind of, um, you know, patted myself after. Um, Ryan watches every game and breaks it down just like I do. Um, he does a great job. So I thought he had some really good insight on what Chad Henney could bring to the Chiefs as a backup um, you know, I, I thought that Ryan had some really good insights as to what kind of player and what kind of man he is. So I definitely think you're going to hear that because if he has to play, you, you're going to want to be prepared. Oh, by the way, Ryan's with the Florida Times Union. And then finally, uh, giving us the lowdown on Sammy Watkins, who I know who you guys want to hear about. Um, Gary Klein from the L.A. Times. And Gary Klein has been doing this a long time now. Um, 
was USC's longtime beat writer. You know, that was a notable pro. He was there through the Reggie Bush years. This man knows how to cover a beat. Um, recently moved up to the Rams for the last few years. But, you know, Gary's an old head and a really, really, really knowledgeable beat writer who has some really good things to say about Sammy Watkins and how he handled not getting the football all that much um, in L.A. So I think you're going to want to check into that. So, yeah, look, we got a great show for you guys, and I'm really excited to get it popping. So let's go ahead. Let's do it. Let's kick it off. Uh, I'm not going to make you wait. Let's let's go to Gary on Sammy Watkins. I, I owe this to you. So let's go to Gary on Sammy, and uh, I think you'll like what you have to hear. Here we go. Oh, Gary, I don't have to tell you this, man. Guys in contract years, you know, they care about their stats. Mm-hmm. And Sammy's a guy that complained a little bit about his stats in Buffalo, but seeing by all accounts that he's a good soldier there in Los Angeles, just, um, you know, just what was the experience like there as an observer? Well, I think we all kind of were anticipating this is a guy that's going to come in, obviously, looking to have a real productive year Mm -hmm. that he could parlay into, uh, you know, a big contract. But I think what happened there, because he came in so late in in training camp, he kind of was behind some of the other receivers that Goff had had, uh, become accustomed to. Mm -hmm. But you know what? The way he approached it uh, from... A media perspective. I thought he was professional throughout the season. There, early on, there was a little bit of a hiccup um, when Tory Holt, you know, uh, sent out a tweet after the Dallas game, kind of about how he, Sammy wasn't getting touches. And Sammy responded to that, not in a you know real overt way, but he 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 had a response to it. So of course it blew up as you know he's unhappy, and he said he wasn't. Uh, he did acknowledge a few weeks later that you know what. That did kind of get in his head a little bit, but he had put it past him. Mm-hmm. And I really believe, as the season went on, he did feel like he benefited from that season. Even though he wasn't catching 50 passes, he felt like he was the guy in the red zone. And and according to him, the Rams really did bring out the fact that to block, to do those kinds of things that don't necessarily show up in the stats, contribute to a winning team. And, he, and it seemed to me like he was very comfortable playing on a winning team. You know, I think that's good for football, too. Like, he still got paid. Mm-hmm. He's, he's, that's a big contract. That's right. right. Um, well, when he got to 39 balls, like, that's a good sign. Mm-hmm. Um, as a football player, like, what'd you see, man? Like, what stood out to you about him? Well, again, you know, I hadn't watched him that much early in his career, so I thought I was just going to see this burner, you yeah. know, this guy that... and. I really didn't see that. He, he showed some flashes against the New York Giants. He had a long catch that kind of uh, solidified why he's an effective weapon, even if he's not catching that many balls, because mm-hmm. you have to account for him. Right. And again, in tight situations, his hands, you know, he's so strong, yeah. I think misleadingly strong for some people. They, they don't realize how physical he is, yeah. especially in a tight space. You know, the, the crazy thing is like, Michael Irvin was 6'2", 214. Mm-hmm. Watkins is 6'1", I'm not comparing them, right. but I'm just saying, physically, he's not that different. Like, mm-hmm. they're like the same physical shape, and you would never guess that. Right. Just looking at him on the hoof, right? But, but he is more physical if you turn on the tape than you think. Exactly. You know, he he didn't really demonstrate during the season that ability, like, to go long and out jump yeah. someone and, yeah. and out physical him that way. Mm-hmm. But again, in a tight space and especially on these, uh, you know, on slant routes mm-hmm. near He's the goal great. line, he was able to use his body not only to get his body into position, but get mm-hmm. his hands into position where 
he was so strong that Goff had so much confidence that if he just put the ball near him, his catch radius, he was going to catch it. So you see him as kind of a closer. I mean, last year, at least you saw him in that way. It's kind of like an end zone closer. That's interesting. Okay. Yeah. And he blocked. He, 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 he did block, and it's and he acknowledges, you know, that he was not a real enthusiastic blocker <laughs> at the at the outset, right. even though I'm sure that was, you know, drilled into him in Buffalo. Well, but in L.A., they really did it. <laughs> and uh, and he seemed to he seemed to buy in, and he became an effective weapon for them, again just because defenses had to account for him whether he was running down the field or he was blocking for Todd Gurley. What does this speak pretty highly of Sean McVay? You you talk to Sean, he's a really confident guy. I could see him leading guys, especially guys my age, at 33 or younger. Mm-hmm. Um, what does that say to you about his ability to kind of keep that? From blowing up, and then he shows no fear. And Dominican Sue's a personality. Right. Marcus Peters is mm-hmm. to lead. Just what are your impressions of Sean McVay as a coach? Well, as you mentioned, I think very confident in his ability to connect with people. I mean, that, I think that's obvious mm-hmm. to anyone, whether you're a reporter, yeah. whether you're a player, whether you're a fan. He's going out of his way to make mm-hmm. that person feel comfortable and to make them feel, uh, you know, valued. So I think he does that in the locker room. I think if any issues arise with these guys, he's going to be the first one to talk to them about it and try and make it work. Not necessarily fit into my system, but let, let's work together to figure out how I can get the best out of you and the way you are. How do you think he does that like with people, like as he relates to the media? Like, what's this guy like on a day-to-day basis? How does he make you guys feel like, you know what I mean? I, I think, it, again, it's evident. You can see it, uh, you know, I see it every day, but I think especially people from out of town, his ability to know who you are when you ask a question, to address you with your first name. You're not this faceless, you know, guy, guy right. questioning. That lends itself to communication. Okay, and he has, was well schooled by his dad, mm-hmm. who's you know a television professional. Uh, all the coaches he's worked for, he gets that part of it. And I don't think it's phony. I think that he, mm-hmm. that carries over to the locker room. I think the players like it and respect it. And but I also think that he, when push comes to shove, he's not going to be bullied. It's going right. to be no, you know, his way. <laughs> all right, my last thing, like you got a chance to meet Marcus Peters mm-hmm. with the meters. How did his presser go? It was quintessential Marcus, based on what I could tell. Yeah. He's like, excuse me, and then he cursed anyway. Like he's, <laughs> Marcus is going to do what he wants to do in that kind of way. He's going to be genuine. Just what what did you see in the presser? That's what came out to me. That's what I, in terms of other media interviews that he had done. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, someone asked him a question about and used the phrase, you know, off the field kind of incidents, he was quick to po- correct them and say, hey, what are you talking about mm-hmm. when you say that? You know, that's not that's not an issue with me. I may have had some other things that I've learned from, but that was not one of them. Yeah. And and to me, to me, that, that struck me as, you know what, this is going to be a guy that he's not going to BS. Nope. You may not, you know, the, the coaching staff may not like what they hear all the time, nope. but it seems to me like he's going to kind of tell it like it is. He'll always do that. And with that, you guys, too. Right. He'll always do that. Right. Or at least what he sees it as. Yeah. You know? Which is fine, yeah. and that's fine. Yeah. I, I think... Uh, you know, I'm looking forward. I'm looking forward to. There's a lot of new personalities coming oh into the Rams, with Marcus being one of them. And uh, as a reporter, I'm looking forward to dealing with all these guys and the, the good, bad, the ugly, whatever it's going to be. And I, I think every once in a while, my listeners like to hear inside reporting. Like 
Hey man, you got like a real pedigree as a <laughs> as a beat writer. You spent years covering USC. You're one of the best college beat writers in the country. Then you move on to the NFL. Like, what do you think this would be like for you? Like, Sue's a guy. I can tell right. you that. Like, you know, you hear things about Sue being a different guy. Sure. And you know, Talib will say whatever he wants right. to say. Like, how, how are you going to approach this as a beat writer? Man? Well, I, I think for me, everyone. I guess, like a coach, always gets a clean slate, you know, because it's always about, you can hear what happened to other places, and well, how are they going to treat you? Mm -hmm. And you know what, when you're in this business, as long as I've been in it, Mm -hmm. you understand, not everyone's going to have the best day all the time, they're Mm -hmm. not always going to be approachable, they're going to be moody on occasion, they're going to say things that, you know, some people might take offense to, and you, you know, you just still got to do your job, and I think my experience has been when you deal with these guys, they respect that you keep coming back. Okay, good stuff there from Gary. Sticking with the offense theme, uh, let's transition to Ryan on Chad Henney, the uh, Jacksonville Jaguars former quarterback. Here we go. Okay, I'm here with my man Ryan O'Halloran. Ryan, how you doing? Good, Uh, good. Hey, you know, I think uh, you got one of the best eyes in football as far as beat writers go, so I just want to know what kind of man Chad he is as a teammate and also what you saw as a player. Was a teammate. When I saw the fit in Kansas City, I said it's perfect. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, he was in Jacksonville for six years, and you know they drafted Blake Bortles in 2014, mm-hmm. and Chad was his backup, and, and really they grew pretty close because the constant for Blake Bortles was Chad Henney. Mm-hmm. You know, he went through two head coaches, three coordinators, three quarterback coaches, different run game, different mm-hmm. pass game, but it was always Henney there as his conduit, and really it would be. During the week, I'm thinking during the game plan and stuff, you know, if Blake didn't like something about the game plan, wanted this removed, he'd probably run it by Chad. So I think for Patrick Mahomes, uh, this is going to be a perfect guy for him to work with. Mm-hmm. You know, the other flip side, uh, if Chad has to start a couple games, you can probably get by, mm-hmm. which is probably what their design was. Hey, he's not a 16-game starter, or else he'd have a job. Right. But, um, you know, if if, uh, you know, if there's a two-game stretch there. Andy could probably scheme yeah. stuff up. Yeah. In the times you've seen him play, is he one of those quarterbacks that? And there's no shame in this. This league is hard. Like even Alex was like this. A lot of the difficult throws Alex made, those were schemed up throws, right? Is Chad that kind of way, or did you see him check down and make throw people open it sometimes? Or what is he like as a quarterback? Well, the check down part was his rep in Miami. Okay. Ah, uh, but. Also, what was the protection? Yeah. The offensive line. He does not move well. Right. He's the first to admit that. And, you know, last year, late in camp, when they opened up the quarterback competition, they stuck with Blake, basically because they had so many questions up front. Mm-hmm. Uh, they weren't sure Chad was going to avoid the rush, and he readily admitted. He goes, "I'm not as mobile." So, if Henny's required to play, is they probably throw a lot of quick stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, you're not going to see a lot of bootlegs, mm-hmm. but it's going to be a by the book pro style pro style game plan. How's the gun? Like he, back in Michigan, I grew up watching Michigan, right? So, but like, how's the arm strength now? Like he used to be able to really sling it, but where's he at? Yeah, well, he says, and it'd be interesting to get his take on this. He said that over the last couple of years, his arm has never felt better. Really? Because he hasn't played a lot. Mm-hmm. He's been able to take care of his body because mm-hmm. you talked to him during uh, training camp last year. Mm-hmm. And he said you're getting a lot of throws. He says doing great you know what you'd say okay as he gets older maybe that goes down a little bit but the fact he hasn't played a lot of games he's been able to maintain that arm strength got you and you when you talk to blake he's always said good things about chad yeah yeah i mean that 
you know, for all the turmoil that Blake's been through, mm-hmm. I think it really helped to lean on a guy. Because remember, Chad Henney was a second-round pick by Bill Parcells in Miami. Right, right. He learned from Chad Pennington. Mm-hmm. And also, Chad Henney has been through the struggles of, it did work out, Mike. Absolutely. Um, he yeah. was going to be the guy mm-hmm. that you know was injured. So, I think there's there's so much. It's going to be tough for Patrick Mahomes to encounter a situation where Chad Henney can say, "Can't relate." Got it. That's Got the it. key. All right. Hey, thanks. Man. All right. Okay, let's keep it on moving. Uh, stick with offense. Let's go to Omar Kelly on running back Damian Williams from the Miami Dolphins, formerly of the Miami Dolphins. Let's go. Omar, you know I greatly respect your scout and I. I love a lot of what I see in Damian Williams, but more than anything, I kind of want to know what you think about this guy as a football player. You saw him for three or four years in Miami. Just what did you see in Damian Williams? Uh, the perfect illustration of who Damian Williams is is the 2016 season. They had this thing called War Daddy hmm. at the Miami Dolphins. This is Keep, keep in mind, this is when they made the playoffs. Mm-hmm. Now, War Daddy was not always about... Um, you scoring the touchdown or you making an impactful catch. It's about doing the little little things that nobody pays attention to or doesn't get highlighted. And what they did is they gave out War Daddy, War Daddy shirts for mm-hmm. it. So it, every, every week there were like three War Daddy shirts mm-hmm. that were given to players and the players wore them around like trophies. Huh, okay. okay. So to personify who Damian Williams is, Damian Williams had so many War Daddy shirts that they eventually upgraded and created a War Daddy hoodie. What? For Damian Williams, because <laughs> after you've accumulated so many shirts, you graduated to the hoodie. Wow. And so every week, I mean, this is a guy who's a third down back yeah. and a special teams ace, just the toughness that he brought. He was always doing something like, Pancaking a guy on, on down, running downfield, you know, ma- making a guy miss on a third down catch, that just personified the war daddiness of, of the team. So, you know, I call Damon Williams war daddy because that's, that's, that's what he represented. Brandon Howard, who also covers football down, I trust him just like I trust you. Called him a warrior, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. Um, really tough guy, right? Mm-hmm. Just what, what can you speak about that? Uh, <laughs> the... The best, I'm a storyteller. The best illustration of that is um, 2016, he was playing with, I believe it was a shoulder. He was practicing with a shoulder. He had a groin strain. I can't remember what the injury was. And all these young cats are in there. They got these draft picks. They got Kenyon Drake. They got uh, Jay Ajayi. uh, And all these guys, Damian was like the last guy on the depth chart because Mm -hmm. he'd missed so many times. So he's finally cleared to play, Mm -hmm. unleashed. It's a pass blocking drill. Watch him lay out a linebacker. <laughs> like, all these guys are struggling in pass blocking. Right. Damian Williams was first practicing pads. He gets up there. Boom. Linebacker on the ground. I believe wow. it was a start. I can't remember specifically which one it was. Wow. And then I was just like, yep, that's him. That's that. Damian's back. <laughs> a- and anybody who thought they were taking his third down back job, no. it, it was over. Um, another story is, is Adam Gase talked to all the players, and he said, he was, he was talking to Ryan Tannehill, mm-hmm. and he was like, Ryan, what do you need for me to be make you better? Mm-hmm. What do oh. you need for this team to yeah. be good? And he specifically told Adam Gates, the only one name that Ryan Tannehill mentioned is, 
Damian Williams got to be on this team. And wow. Adam Gaze didn't know what that was about, but when he got to know Damian and got to see who Damian was and got to see Damian on the sidelines, mm-hmm. he instantly gravitated to Damian because realistically, they're both the same people. They're energy, charismatic, okay. in your face, yeah. and just the intensity that he brings, the fire that he brings, the mm-hmm. toughness that he brings. It, 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 That's great. You know, it, Damian, I, the yards per carry aren't going to wow you, mm-hmm. the catches, and you know, he's a good run after catch kind of guy when he gets the ball, um, makes people miss. He's a football player. He's, he's the toughness that he brings, but it's, it's all the intangibles. Like, the intangibles are off the chart. That's great. Okay, let's shift to defense now. I want to give you a good one to start it off. Let's go to Clarence Hill Jr. on Anthony Hitchens, the new linebacker. Let's go. All right, Chill. You've been battle-tested. You covered the. Cowboys for how long it been? 20 years? Longer than that, man. It's just 97, so about what's this? 21 years now. But you, you seen some good linebackers in your day. Just uh, what stuck out to you about Anthony Hitchens? How good of a player is he? Well, man? the thing about Hitchens is his, his versatility. You know, he, as a rookie, he started at three different positions. You know, just wow. right off the bat. You know, he he filled in, and, and you know, you didn't expect much from a fourth round pick. But, but he came in and filled in at middle linebacker, weak side linebacker, strong side linebacker from the beginning. Mm-hmm. He's just versatile and available. Mm-hmm. You know, and that, that's the thing that, that's, that stood out about him and the Cowboys liked about it. Availability, the best yeah. ability is yeah. availability. He yeah. was always. Yes, until this year. He really didn't have any injuries until this year, and he missed the first few games of the season with, with injuries suffered in training camp. That really wasn't like him, but obviously he came back and, and, and had a strong season and proved to be more of a playmaker this year than he had been in the past. Oh, can you talk about that? Like, yeah. How so, man? Well, yeah, I mean, it's just, you know, obviously I, I think that, you know, the thing that the Cowboys liked about him was his his his, his versatility and availability that, that he can be counted on. Mm-hmm. But I think this year you just saw him making more plays, making more plays in the backfield and stuff like that. Now, um, I know he's getting a lot of money. <laughs> and, and I don't know if he's Derrick Johnson. Okay. And, and I hope fans okay. don't come in and think that he's going to be a pro bowler like Derrick Johnson right off the bat. I mean, that's I mean, that's a lot. Yeah, that, that is a lot. You know, of course, people are going to look at the money and expect him, expect it. Right. expect him to, you know, be Ray Lewis and, and you know, and all the other stuff. And I just don't know if that's him, but he is a solid, solid player, great locker room guy. Great locker room. Great locker. Yeah, I mean, it's because he just, you know, he doesn't take away from the locker room. He asks the locker room because he's solid. He's going to be available. Mm-hmm. He's very religious. Uh, just a good guy, good kid, leader. You know, he's going to lead by example. He's not a, lot of, he's not a big talker. Definitely not. But, but you're going you're gonna, to – Solid football yeah, character. Solid, yeah, solid football character, lead by example, and that type of stuff. And, and you know, you got guys that, that are around him. You know, he's not going to take away. He's, he's right. not going to uh, – to uh, be any type of liability. Mm-hmm. You know, he, he's going to help you. Yeah, I got you, man. Um, he's not that big, two forty, two thirty-five. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, no. But the way he plays, like, is right. he like a? He's not like a take-on blocker kind of guy. Does he? Kind of, he's like a lose blocker. Yeah, yeah. Sideline yeah. to sideline. Yeah, line. yeah. He runs and, and makes plays on the ball, and he will make plays in the backfield and and, and do all this. Yes, 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 yes. And good, again. Um, you know, obviously he was a four-three linebacker in Dallas, and you know the three-four thing is a little different, you know, in Kansas City. But but you know. Uh, again, I, I can't say enough good things about the type wow. of person he is and, and just the type of player he's going to be and what you're going to get. Again, you're not going to – I mean, I, 
I'm not saying, you know, he's Ray Lewis. You know, right. did, I'm not saying he's Derrick Johnson is prime because <laughs> he's not Derrick Johnson is prime. Derrick Johnson is prime was amazing. By the way, you're a Texas guy. Yes. Texas guy. I mean, you know Derrick Johnson. Right, you know, so right, you, right. You know right. what that looked like. Right, right. No, and I've but, been following Derrick since his freshman year in college. Exactly, so, yeah, right. I, so, but, but in – in Hitchin, you just see like a solid NFL football. Yeah, player. he's definitely a solid football player. He's, he's only twenty five. Yeah, he's young. Yeah, he, he's young. He's solid again. He's available. He's gonna be there. He 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 knows all the positions. He you know he he's gonna help you in that respect. Can he cover? He, yeah, he's okay. Okay. Yeah, he's okay. He, he's solid. I mean, he's a three-down linebacker. Great. He's okay. not a two-down linebacker. He's a three-down linebacker. He played three downs in, in, in Dallas. He played all three downs. He's a three-down linebacker for sure. Chill, my, my last question to you is, like, is there any part of you that was surprised Dallas didn't bring him back, or did you think the money was? Well, we, they already knew the money wasn't. They, I mean, they, they didn't, knew they, the money was going. Yeah, I mean, they, they already knew that they couldn't afford him. They already okay. knew what he was going to command. Yes, they wanted him back. There's no question they wanted him back. There's no question they wanted him back, and they would love to have him back, you but know. Just, and, they, and they tried to, you know, lowball him and get him, give him a discount. They yeah. really did, yeah. and take a team discount. But as a kid, this is his first time in the fridge. Money, first time to make money. real money. You got to do it. You got to get your money you because you know he's a fourth round pick. He didn't get paid coming out. This may be his last contract. You got to, you got to, you, you, know, you know, your home family is your first family. That's, That's right. your first team. Right. Absolutely. Okay. All right. Awesome. All right, not going to make you wait on this one any longer. Great interview here with Mike Jones on Kendall Fuller, who will be called on to replace Marcus Peters. You guys are going to want to hear this. Here we go. All right, here with Mike Jones, USA Today, uh, formerly the Washington Post. So you are an expert on Washington's professional football team. And Kendall Fuller, who the Chiefs were thrilled to get. Um, what kind of football player are they getting, man? What do you know about them? They're getting a really talented, young, hungry kid who comes from a good football family. Look at all his brothers mm -hmm. who are in the league ahead of them. Um, really talented. And he's a guy who really was elevating his game. He, he showed some flashes his rookie year, but mm -hmm. last year you saw him really get comfortable. Um, I think he had four or five interceptions, mm -hmm. led that secondary. There were a lot of guys who were in that locker room saying, look, Next year, he's going to be that deal. And they were really upset when management <laughs> shipped him away. Yes, yeah. they knew they needed a quarterback, but they were like, dude, can you like send anybody else um, except wow. for, for Kendall Fuller? So he's a hardworking guy. And he just, because he relies on his brothers and he's seen them go through the process, he doesn't get overwhelmed by this stuff. He just understands the business and how mm -hmm. to prepare. When you watched him play, like, how could you tell he loved football? Right. Cause I think you, you've been doing this long enough to know, like, sometimes that makes a difference in, like, how good a guy's going to be. Mm -hmm. And when I talked to him with the rest of the reporters, when the Chiefs set it up, he was like, man, this guy loves the game. Yeah. And what was it from you to kind of let you know that? Um, I think it was just the way he walked in there and his eyes weren't all big mm -hmm. and overwhelmed. But when he got on the practice field, you saw how hard he worked. Mm -hmm. He didn't take plays off. He mm -hmm. didn't jog and kind of, mm -hmm. you know do it halfway he went hard um was willing to stay on the field afterwards he didn't hang out with the rookies he was always up underneath the veteran really you know yeah huh. you know so okay he's a guy who's trying to pick their brains and and learn you know how to keep you know and like i said hmm. he talks to his brothers a whole lot a lot okay. always you know about different experiences and mm -hmm. things like that. And so that's how you know that this guy's taking this seriously and he wants to, to be great. Do you remember some of the veterans that he tried to learn from? I know uh, D'Angelo Hall okay. you know, that's was a, good a guy. Start. You, know? yeah. um, you saw him. Will Blackman was another guy mm -hmm. who was out there at the time. Um, you know, So those are guys that 
have been in this league for a good little while um, that, that you would see him, you know, talking to. And, okay. and you know, you see him having conversations with Josh Norman and, and things like that too. But uh, you just saw him really just – he just went in there like a business type of approach. When teams threw at him, like, was there like a common denominator? Like, is there something that – like it's known that he's got to get better at, you know? Well, I think early on um, the the double move would sometimes okay. get him or whatever because mm-hmm. he was going from playing on the outside and being able to use the the, the sideline right. to help him out, and then he's in the inside, and you, you've got, you know, so much more space. So mm-hmm. it, was, it was some of those things, the comebacks and, and things like that that were kind of getting him. But last year you saw him who's way more disciplined, much better tackler in space, okay. um, you know. And, you know, there were times when they would – give a crazy look and he would drop back as a safety because he was better covering wow. you know, in space like that. Um, so that's, you know, some versatility you saw with him. Actually, one of the reasons I like talking with you, Mike, is because like, you, you're like a student of the game. Like, you get it. And, like, I think people need to understand, like, when you play slot, like, that is the hardest corner position to play. Right. It's a 2-1 go. Yeah. You know, two-way go. Guys, you know, you got to be ready for all of it. So for him to be the highest rated slot corner in football, according to Pro Football Focus, you can say whatever you want about their grades still means the tape was good. Right, right, exactly. <laughs> so I don't actually expect him to have much difficulty going from the slot to the outside. It's harder going from the outside to the slot. Right. Um, I, I think, you know, as a, as a player, like how good could you see this guy being? Like does he remind you of anybody that you've seen in the past? Mm-hmm. I know that's tough, but, like, is there anybody that he, in any way that he reminds you of? That's kind of hard. Um, just, but you know that he's a physical guy mm-hmm. that didn't. You know, some cornerbacks don't really like tackling. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, he didn't mind yeah. sticking his nose in there. Yeah. Um, and it, there good. were times during his rookie year, during the preseason when mm-hmm. he was playing on the outside, that we were like, "Whoa, why is that kid not there?" Really? Like this wow. kid, like okay. already looks ready, but okay. they needed him on the inside, and it's a harder position. And so gotcha. there was the whole learning curve and things. So, but but as far as a, a comparison. I, I, it's I don't tough. know, you know, no. it's it's tough, but again, I just I like his mindset, his physicality, his instincts. How about this? I, I trust and love beat writers because I'm a beat writer and I know we're in the trenches and we see everything. When you saw the Alex Smith trade, what was your reaction? I was like, they gave up too much. Okay. Um because Washington of, gave up too yes, much. Yes, because of Kendall Fuller okay. and just knowing this the, the potential That's that he had. I was like why didn't they try to throw in Sua Cravens, um, a guy who you know got some talent or whatever, yeah. didn't really mean anything to them? Just knowing that okay, Rashad Breeland's going to be a free agent. You need more horses in that right. secondary, and so that's why I was like, I don't get this right here. Not to say that Alex Smith wasn't worth something. They needed um, a quarterback. They needed for sure. a quarterback. Right. Yes, but he's good. Yes, but giving up that kid who was a rising star, probably your best cornerback plus next year, third. plus the third, that was a lot. Right, and the Chiefs when they. That made the difference. Put it that way. They had offers for second round picks. Right. That they ch- they chose this over that because of that guy. Yeah. So, so that can tell you a lot of what they thought of him. <laughs> Absolutely, Mike. I appreciate it. Okay, let's end it. We're gonna go to my main man, Vic Tafer, on David Amerson. Let's go. Hey, just Vic, you saw David Amerson play for a few years, man. Just what is your impression of him as a player? Like, what can Chiefs fans expect? Uh, his first year, he was great. He obviously got he owned a big new contract, but he came in. It was a good cover guy. Broke up a lot of passes. Aggressive. Just um, really the best cornerback they've had in Oakland for a long time. Actually, that's why he got the big deal. He obviously fell off a little bit the next year. I'm not sure why. Injury problems. A couple of concussions also. So I think he fell off drastically enough where they realized they didn't want to bring him back at that price tag. So I think they you know new coaching staff bringing their own guys, but. 
definitely if you get the guy that was there the first year with the Raiders, you got a really good, really good quarterback. Injuries were a big deal, weren't they? He was kind of banged up. All year long, pretty much. Yeah, he had like I think it was a groin issue, maybe I think it's I think it was his shoulder at some point, concussions. But just um, he's a tough guy. He definitely was trying to get back on the field as much as he could. But also I think besides that, he wasn't playing as well. I'm not sure why his play fell off, but it did. When he when he had his best year, was he playing a lot of press? Well, press is very aggressive, and I think he had some big games in Tennessee, and he broke up like two passes, a pick, if I recall, and won the game for him. So I just think, like, if you look back at his first stint um, in the league with the Redskins, you know, he had Jay Gruden was a coach then. I'm sure Jay mm-hmm. told John some, some things about him, and that first year, I think he, had, he, he himself will tell you, he enjoyed the lifestyle. He was a young guy, had some money. He would yeah. say he was, like, drinking, you know, drinking, playing video games all night long that first year, and he learned you can't do that in the NFL. you got to actually, like, get to bed, study, yeah. film. So I think... I don't know if he fell back, back in old bad habits, but um, obviously he got a new contract and his play fell off, so, so maybe he did. Okay, and uh, uh, pretty aggressive with the ball in the air, right? Like, but he can be. Can he be beat over the top? Do teams throw like to throw him vertically? He did a rough game against the Chiefs last year, if I recall. Okay. So I think um, I think he may have a little banged up his foot, but I just think yeah. at his peak he was a big aggressive uh, corner. Could definitely stick with the guys, and it was good when the. Very good, knowing when the ball came in, can make plays. A lot of guys will stay with the guy, but when the ball's in the air towards them, they kind of fall apart. He was good at uh, seeing where the ball was and making a play on the, on the ball. That's all I need. Yeah, thanks, Okay, so I hope you guys enjoyed this uh, episode. I know it's long overdue, but I promise you it was a good one. I think you guys will enjoy it. Um, hey, as always, if you like the show, rate and review us on iTunes, Sports BKC Podcast. Please rate and review us. We'd appreciate that. Hey, give us our clicks. You know, that stuff matters, man. We all get evaluated on clicks and journalistic impact. So if you're listening, if you're listening, you know, rate and review us. Click the stories. Click all that, man. I appreciate it. I love you guys. And see you in the future. Here we go. Thanks.